Friends, hello, welcome back, or welcome to the uh, After Hours Lounge. My name is Sandy, I am your host. Um, very, very pleased with this one again. Sometimes I find, when I find a guest, it, it's just kind of random and, you know, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly know I literally just message anyone and just be like, do you want to come on and have a chat? And that's exactly what I did with this guy. Um, again, regular listeners, you'll know I've been wanting to talk to someone uh, within the kind of food industry for a while. Those that know me know that I'm a... I'm an eater. I eat my food. I, I like my food. If there's, you know, I get hangry. Um, so it's something I'm very passionate about. And I think as well, over the last 12 months, it's kind of something that we've all put a lot of focus into. Um, so with that in mind, I was cruising Instagram uh, and came upon the uh, Stance Instagram. You'll all be very familiar with Stance. I did an episode with my best friend, Ed, who worked for them, um, all about their company and stuff. But uh, their ambassador, Martin O'Dell, a.k.a. the Lagomme Chef, Mr. Sustainable Chef, was cooking up some very delicious food. So I decided to get him on the podcast. So Martin, thank you very much for coming to join us. Yeah, you're more than welcome. It's nice to be here. No, it's a pleasure, mate. I mean, yeah, as I said, we, we kind of messaged and you said, you know, you're getting your own podcast up and started at the moment and you're you're kind of, um, yeah, doing doing that as well as uh, all, all the other stuff you do. Um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, I mean, we've, well, we've, we've literally just met. So I've, I've kind of, I've done my little, done my research and all, and all that stuff, but um, the listeners may not have. So can you just give us a quick, you know, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know me, I'm Martin. Uh, I, I hate calling myself the Lagom chef. I kind of had to do it because yeah. like, for business terms, it could, yeah. I can just call myself Martin. So um, <laughs> yeah, so I am the Lagom chef. Um, so I basically, I set the company up to do, meal plans to help people you know eat a bit healthily live more sustainably stuff like that and then it's kind of evolved into like a bigger thing where I teach people how to cook so now there's an academy because I kind of you know wanted to bookend the meal plans because I work for some companies where you know you could uh, start a meal plan but you couldn't cook so you know how would you do the meal plan so yeah. I was like hang on if I teach them and give them a meal plan then it's like a marriage made in heaven so started doing the academy and then yeah my Instagram has become you know, a bit of a Q&A piece. So I kind of like just ask, you know, my followers, like, what do you want to see? And, you know, it could be the most mundane thing, like, how do you peel a potato? And I'm like, I'll show you, you know, because I've worked as a chef for like 15 years. So I've got a lot of skills that, you know, sometimes I think are hidden, but someone would say something. I'm like, God, fuck, that's a real thing that people want to see. So then I would do it. And it's, it's become really good. Like the Instagram channel sort of evolved from, yeah. you know, just posting pictures of pretty food, which I think is really pointless to now, you know, having real social connection with people, which obviously social media is, isn't it? It's a social, social thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, it, it, it's silly. I mean, I, I really don't like to talk about it that much on the podcast, but my, my day job is I work in social media and my, yeah. my whole tagline is focus on how to be social, not how to do social. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that really is the thing. And, you know, Instagram, people don't want to see rose tinted view of your life. People want to see, people want to be given value. You know, they want to see something like, oh, I learned, and I won't lie, you know, I cruise your Instagram and, you know, the way you were chopping an onion the other day, I said to my girlfriend, I was like, I learned how to, I learned how to chop an onion better today. You know, but there's just little things. And I guess, I guess for you, having worked in, in kitchens and, and been a chef and stuff, it's probably skills that you have that you kind of just assume that everyone else has as well, because you're so used to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think there's always been this sort of like underlying current of, God, I wish people knew how to do certain things because there's like little techniques like blanch and refresh, for example, is one that I tell everyone to do because when you bulk prep food, obviously you want it to taste good a couple of days later. You don't want it to be like, you know, your bummy greens or like your your hard egg. 
Yeah. So blunt to refresh is a technique of literally simply putting something in boiling water and then refreshing it in ice cold water so it stops it from cooking. So it holds it at that, you know, just cooked stage. So if you're doing things for salads and stuff like that, it's amazing. And, you know, restaurants use it all the time because, you know, funnily enough, restaurants don't make everything to order. You know, they, yeah. they would prep a big batch of risotto for like two days and then all they do is warm it up. But they obviously cook it to a point where, you know, it's underdone so that when they do reheat it, it's perfect. Yeah. So um, it's these little things that people go, really? Well, I, they, they don't make risotto, you know, to order. Yeah. No, you idiot. You know, so it's, it's these things, especially with Blanche and Refresh, you know, like greens and your, you know, your carrots and all stuff like that. Like, why not prep things in advance and give yourself a bit of a bit of a helping hand? So, yeah, it's little tips and tricks like that, which I, I love teaching people. And like I said earlier, like sometimes I, I don't even realise that I, I've got this knowledge until someone goes, can you um, show me how to do a vinaigrette? And I'm like, oh, is that a thing? You want to know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 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 cool, cool. <laughs> and I guess it's it's often the really like the really kind of things that you would think are like mundane, like how to chop an onion or, you know, all the different ways you can chop a potato. There's probably like, you know, people, people love like life hacks, don't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, like how to peel a potato faster or something like that. There must be so many. Yeah. I I sort of, I'm not anti the hacks because I I think one of my first videos actually that like, I, I, I'm such a video person and for about six, seven months of doing Instagram, I was just posting pictures because I, I, was, I had this fear of like doing video for some reason. I don't know why. And my first video was like, this is not a garlic hack. And there's this video that goes around all the time. And it's like, put your garlic in a bowl, two bowls on top and shake it. And then your garlic is magically peeled. And I was like, that fucking doesn't work. I, like, <laughs> I know the reason it does work. And it's because your garlic's dry. And then the skin's almost filling off and you shake it and it happens. I'm like, so, you know, in the videos I started doing, I was like, I'm just going to explain these hacks, you know, I'm like, it is a hack if the garlic is at this stage, but if it's at this stage, it's not going to work. So, you know, people watch those like BuzzFeed tasty things and they're like, yeah, yeah, you can peel a mango on the side of a glass. And I'm just like, yeah, but really, do you want to do that? Or do you just want to peel it with a knife because it's a lot easier? Yeah. You know, all these little things. So, yeah, like my stance on food is just I'm so sort of basic. I have no gadgets whatsoever in the kitchen. I'm like knife, pan, chopping board. That's me. Yeah. Um, and that's what I kind of like to show people is that you don't need all these fancy things to, you know, make decent food, really. Well, I'd say that's that's probably why you've resonated with so many people, because a lot of people don't have all those gadgets. And especially, you know, I hate talking too much about COVID on the podcast, but obviously we'll talk about, you know, the effects that it's had and people have been cooking more at home. And certainly, you know, the, for the first lockdown, I, I went up to, to Scotland to spend it with my mum because she, she lives by herself. So I, I drove up there and we spent two months up there and you know, I was, I was cooking, I was cooking way more than I ever have in my life before. Cause we were like, everything's shut. So let's just do it. And, and I kind of got into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, we didn't have all the, all the posh bit. I mean, she does have an air fryer. I will say that for everyone yeah, out what there. Is it, what is it? Air fryers? I don't know. Like, yeah. And, and there's this one that always comes up that like, my, like, you know, I do lives pretty much every night and we have a chat and Ninja 3000s, I think they're called is this other thing that's like fucking, I don't know, it's got so many things. It's got air fryer. It's got like a microwave in it. It's got like a steamer. I'm like, this is just weird. It's just weird, too weird for me. But yeah, everyone bangs on about how great they are. I'm like, <laughs> so Ninja 3000 is this thing now that, yeah, people want it on a competition. People are like, I want one. I want one. I'm like, yeah. I'm not everyone, making money. <laughs> everyone, everyone loves their, everyone loves their air fryer. But I guess it's nice to see and it must be, it'd be interesting to get, get your take on it because obviously, 
you know, that pe- people aren't going out as much, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. So I know that you, one thing that you said to me when I, you know, I don't, when I message, well, for those listening, when I, when I send people a message now, I send them a voice note because I can't be bothered to type out, hello, my name's Sandy. I run this podcast, blah, blah, blah. I just send them a voice note. And then you, you ping the voice note straight back and yeah. you were like, you were like, yeah, mate, food is mood. And as soon as you said that, I said, before we hit record, I've said that every day since you messaged me, like Heidi, my girlfriend come in and I'll be like, she'll be cooking. So yeah, food is mood, mate. Or, you yeah. know, she bought me a cream egg earlier and I'm like, food is mood. Yeah. You know, comes back from, she's a teacher. So she comes back from school and she's like, got your tree, got a cream egg, you know? So it's, can you, can you go into, into that kind of thing a bit more? Obviously you've been in the industry for a very long time. Like, I know there's this whole romantic view of, uh, you know, chefs. Well, maybe not. Yeah. Generally chefs aren't viewed as being romantic, but you know, there is this same, at the same time, there's this other side of like, it's their passion and cooking and food is love and, and, and all yeah. this stuff. I mean, is that the kind of thing that, you know, is that one of the reasons why you got into cooking and, and all that stuff? I know you've kind of said on your website that you just, you just like me, you just fucking love food. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Can you, can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 as you're my like my first intro of my podcast I kind of like had to go back and think about all of these things and I was like I I, I just have amazing memories of like my mum like she never really forced me into food she just kind of like gave me opportunities you know they're the kind of parents that were like here's a pair of football boots and I'd be like oh yeah. should I go and try football so like we we had friends that would come over when I was like you know in, in my early teens and they would be cooking like whole sides of salmon and I'll just be in there so <clears> like, oh what's what's that yeah. mum can I bake a cake she's like yeah yeah so like they would buy me stuff and just leave it in the fridge for me to mess around with and um oh, cool. I just got like mad into it I just remember like doing things like I get I'll get obsessed by one thing I made ice cream for about two months just solid my mum bought me an ice cream maker and I was just like, right what's next right and I was I did a baked bean ice cream my dad hates oh. baked beans and I remember this like I, I I think it was like a Heston recipe but he'd obviously done it really well it's like the bacon and egg ice cream and I was like baked beans he's done it so yeah. I uh, I did just put baked beans in ice cream <laughs> it, was, oh. it was disgusting and my dad hates baked beans and he was sitting in a um he was sitting in the tv room remember he was watching like moto gp or something and lights were down and i walked in i was like dad try this he ate it and he was like, was like oh, what is this yeah and i was like oh it's a bit out of order but um yeah my my early sort of like memories of food are just you know trying stuff i've always been like you know i've always said yes i've always been like yeah, yeah. okay let me let me see what happens um so like we would travel to france and you know i'd try cheese i, I got obsessed with mussels i you know have these really weird memories of like butter tasting like cheese and being like this is off this is weird like what is this and I think from there I just kind of just kept exploring I was a terrible chef like awful like you know I I remember making a lasagna for my mates once and they were like what the fuck is this there was, <laughs> was, was so much fat in it it was like overflowing with and I was like yeah but I've done a bechamel there's like there's, there's nothing in there it's just fat mate fat. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so yeah and then my sort of like cooking sort of career kind of started, there was like a local restaurant um, in our hometown in just outside Essex. And my mum and dad knew the owner and they were like, why don't you go and get a few shifts there just to help out? So I started helping out and it was just like the buzz of a kitchen is, you can't explain it. Like it's unless you've been in a full on service where everyone's like locked in, you know, you're burning yourself. You don't give a fuck. You've cut yourself and you've like put your finger in your mouth, but still trying to do things. It's like, it's such an amazing experience and my mum and dad bought me a, a, I always remember like a, a, a moody pair of um or set of global knives so global knives like a set is like 800 quid yeah and they were 
it cost me it cost me about 60 quid and i just remember like these these things were like amazing so i just like would cut carrots cut things like all day my fingers were sliced i was just i, oh. I just loved it and i just like immersed myself in food really yeah and it kind of like ebbed and flowed throughout my life like i never had a career that was like very linear like, i didn't go i'm gonna work in a restaurant then i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that you know I went away on like a comedy tour for like three years and I'd come back for a couple of months and, you know, then cook in for like catering companies. And then, you know, that tour finished. So I went into a restaurant and it just, you know, just kind of went back and forward really. So it was yeah, quite yeah. a broken career, but I, yeah, I'm not a traditional chef where I'm like, man, you know, I love food. It's like, it's me. Yeah. I just, my mom always said, you know, people need to eat to live and you're, it's the most employable industry in the whole world. Like, so I just kind of like always had this in the back of my mind, like I am a chef, I can go wherever I want. And it's kind of yeah. taken me, you know, to quite cool places. You know, I went to Spain on like a family holiday for two weeks and my mum had already sorted me out to work in a restaurant for two weeks. So I thought I was going on holiday for two weeks every evening and I was in a restaurant working. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this isn't a family holiday, this yeah. is a family holiday for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of like, you know, like the, the mood aspect of it, I suppose, you know, when I said food is mood, I was just like, because I desperately miss, you know, I know we said we don't want to talk about COVID and I won't, but like... Oh, you can, you can, you can. Yeah, I had mates that came over just before the the sort of the second lockdown where you allow friends over. And yeah. I love cooking for people, but yeah. also having them involved in it as well. Like not going like, right, you're peeling potatoes. You know, we made goyozas and I was like, right, we're going to make the, the dough and then we're going to go for some beers. Then we're going to come back and make the filling we have some more beers and then we're going to make them all together and we're going to sit down and have a fucking feast. <laughs> I just love the social side of it, you know? And like, I don't, I don't like cooking fancy meals. I'm like, uh, what is it that everyone loves that we can all dip into and enjoy? Yeah. And I think when I say food is mood, like food makes me happy when like, other people are just like getting pumped on the food as well. Yeah. It's like that feeling when you like have the most amazing burger. Like, and you're oh, just, oh, come on. Oh, this is just, this is life. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, one of my top three burgers I ever had. I went up to, I went up to Edinburgh last year uh, with a friend. He was, he's a videographer and he was, he was actually doing a video shoot for a previous podcast guest of mine uh, for a football team. Um, and we went to a, a restaurant in Edinburgh and I had this venison burger. And I was with, I was with, yeah, my girlfriend and a lot of our friends and my brother and stuff. And I sat there and I ate this burger and I didn't realize my eyes were closed the whole time I was eating this burger. So you know, I sort of opened my eyes and everyone at the table was just looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, and I'm literally sitting there and I'm like, I just, uh, yeah. And it, it, you're, you're right. It does it. But I think what's so cool about what you said there as well, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed that burger anywhere near as much if I was like by myself. It yeah. is such a, the, the social aspect and like making it, and it, 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 it being an experience rather than just like, I've got to cook some food because I need to live. I need to, yeah, yeah. to live, you know? Having having it as that, I think is um, is something, yeah. That's that's just really amazing, and it's it's so cool that you've you've done that. And do you think maybe that side of it has come from because you haven't had that kind of traditional linear career of like, right? You were a KP when you're 15 in in your local hotel, and then you worked yeah. your way up, and you were you know a commie, a sous, whatever. Then you got a job in the nice restaurant, and you worked there for five or ten years, and then you went to work at another hotel just down the road, and that's where you've been since. And that's yeah. what a lot of chefs do. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I mean, you know, it's it, it's epic. Any anytime you go out for food, it's fucking awesome. Um, but it, do you think that kind of informed your 
your kind of vibe of cooking where you're like, right, in, more, an informal vibe, if you know what I mean, yeah, because yeah. you have gone to Spain and, and gone to these other places and you've dabbled in, you know, other industries and, and all this stuff. Do you think that's kind of informed your style of, of cooking? Yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a it's a couple of things. Like my personality is I've I've always been like told off for this by my friends. Like they've always said that I'm like good at a lot of things. So then they just get annoyed at me because I'm like they're like Mark, you could have been an amazing chef. I'm like, what are you saying? I'm not an amazing chef. Yeah. <laughs> but like for me, for being a, an amazing chef, I'm not bothered about you know the accolades or anything like that. I just love food for what it is, and I love exploring you know different flavors and. And I think the thing that I get a big buzz from is like going to like my mate came and helped me down my allotment. Like I'm not, I can't grow anything. It's just it's the lump of mud at the minute. Yeah. But I said to him, I was like, mate, what do you, what do you want for your packed lunch? And he's like, oh, I really love hummus and maybe some kind of like aubergine salad. And I was like, sweet. So yeah. I made him like this ripper of a picnic and like opened it all up. And he was like, what the fuck's this? And I was like, it's the picnic. And he's just like, this is insane. And I was just like, look how happy you are. Like, yeah. This is what it is for me. It's not about like. Oh yeah, God, Mark did this like beef Wellington and it was beautiful and blushing in the middle. I'm like, fuck off. Or just like, if you enjoyed that and you're happy, and I'm like, this is this is life. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think, you know, like you like you said, talking about like people go doing that linear path, that this is kind of what my podcast is talking about, talking to other chefs. I've got a friend who did that. He went to Westminster and went do 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 worked his way out all of the places and ended up being a sous chef at like a two Michelin star place. Yeah. And he just said his life was horrible. You know, he didn't have, he didn't enjoy it at all. And then I had another chef who I work with in Tufnell Park in London, and he's now in Thailand on a billionaire's yacht cooking for him. You know? uh, so like the, the different ways in which food can go, and especially amazing. with my career as well, I end up, you know, sitting in a um, at home, working from home for two years, doing recipe development for some yeah. fitness guru, which we can talk about if you want, but you know, a bit of clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> slide, it slide it in. Slide it in. So, yeah, it's, it's so it's it's such a vast industry as well that you can just like, you know, that's what I want people to understand is, you know, you're not just a chef, like you said, that you've peeled potatoes and then you're like working in a crappy hotel. And yeah, yeah. It's way more exciting. There's so many fun things, you know, because I I never I, I was uh, from from the age of 15 up until. Uh, I moved to Australia when I was 18 to become a windsurfing instructor. So from from the age of 15 up until then, when I left, I worked in hotels in in my little town in the Highlands of Scotland, wearing a fucking tie and an apron and all this stuff. And so I had a lot of experience with the chefs there, but not on their side of it. They always looked like they were having significantly more fun than us. They yeah. were just pissing around and eating chips out of a bowl all the time and bowls of ice cream and all this and throwing stuff at us while we walk past and things. And I'm in there wearing a penguin suit, you know, having to comb my hair and oh, hello. You know, well, I think I think that's the funny thing is that I I worked at a place uh, like everyone did it when we was at school like fourteen yeah. fifteen, and you, you you're allowed to work behind the bar. <clears throat> you're like so you're fifteen, yeah. you get away with this. And um, yeah, the the chefs would work like a different hour pattern. So their shit time was when you don't see them. You know, that's them slogging, prepping, doing all of that. Yeah. And then when the waiters come in to serve all the food, that's their night done. They're so done. they're all like, I can get pissed now. And you're like, oh, my night's just beginning. Yeah. <laughs> There's this weird kind of like mix of the two, but yeah, yeah, it's good. No, it's funny. But then, you know, what What about um, something actually that I, I kind of, I don't have in my notes, but now, you know, without without turning the conversation too dark and stuff, obviously there there is that other side of, of chefing as well that is enormously stressful. And it's yeah. such a stressful environment. I know, as I said, yeah, it looks like they're having a great time. But especially, you know, like you said, you're, you're mate working on a yacht or if you're in a, 
if you're in somewhere basically that's, you know, where people are paying a lot of money, you know, things like that, it must be hugely stressful. I mean, have you ever had any experiences with, with things like that? I mean, what, what's that like in terms of, you know, being anxious and, and, and all that stuff? Cause I mean, I've seen, I've seen a couple of the movies that yeah, look, yeah. You know, the, there's the one Bradley Cooper burnt. I don't know if you've seen burnt. I haven't seen it, but I think I've seen one clip where he just like kicks off about some duck or something. I think. Yeah. 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 It's, it's actually an amazing movie, but um, yeah, but yeah, you know, and it, it looks like a very high stress, you know, anxiety inducing environment. I mean, have you had any experiences with that? And then is there any kind of system that, that people put in place to kind of help chefs with that? Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I think, you know, I, so, you know, as I said, like I worked in main, like maybe three restaurants. I worked in one for three years called Andrew Edmonds in Soho. And it was like, it was almost like a crash for me, like starting out my, my cooking journey. Like I had three amazing chefs that were all above me that like took me under their wing and cool. like, if I fucked up. They were like this, don't worry, this, you know, I can teach you a lot of things. They weren't cocky and arrogant about it, which was really lovely. Yeah, that's great. Um, and it was quite daunting going in there. Like the first time, like, you know, you know, you can cook. This is the thing, you know, you can cook, you know, you can chop things, but then, and, and you know what ingredients are. Then someone goes, um, can you just cut this courgette? And you're like, Oh, your mind goes blank. You're like, what the fuck's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a knife. Um, <laughs> and there's these, there's these weird pressures that you get, but um, when you settle into somewhere, you get to know it and it is quite cool. And yeah. I, I had three years there and it was, it was stressful because it was only two chefs running a shift and you know, it was, it was small, but very, very busy. So like the turnaround was quick and it was really like quite intense, but it was a lovely crowd and like all the waiters were amazing. All the managers were amazing. So there was never any like neggy, attitude and I, I was kind of just like the chefing's like hard it's because it's long hours yeah but I had a lovely bunch of me so it made it really yeah. fun that's and awesome then, and then I'd flip it on its head um I left there this was in Soho and I went to this restaurant called Floridita and it was a 300 seat a Cuban restaurant um and I was just like I walked in there like my my chef title was sous chef at the restaurant I was so just below the head chef because there was two of us so I was like I put that on my CV and then went into Florida. I was like, yeah, I'm a sous chef. They were like, what's your experience? Blah, 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 blah. And then um, went in and my God, it was like chalk and cheese. Yeah. I went in there like, you're a commie chef. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, um, I had two dishes. This is how like I thought it was easy. I had a soup that I had to warm up and I had a poached egg that I had to warm up and then put some tomatoes on it and someone else would finish the dish. The head chef, I won't name any names, was an absolute wanker. Yeah. First shift, I put um, a soup up. Like, how can you get soup wrong, right? If you warm up soup, you put it in a bowl. He came along, I put it on the pass underneath the lights, and he flipped the bowl. And he, the first thing he said to me, not even hello, how are you? He went, We're not in your fucking shit restaurant around the corner anymore. And I was like, oh, I'm quite a positive person. I can kind of take a lot of like a lot of damage. And I, I was just like, oh, what a dick. You know, I'll do it again. So I like put up another soup, exactly the same. And that one was fine. And I was like, right, this is this is like a mind game now. Yeah. Um, but like the first shift I worked, two people got sacked on the spot. There was a brigade of 30 people in that restaurant. Two people got sacked. I worked there for six months um, without going into like loads of detail. What There was um, a grill section where they were serving Chateaubriand. Like it cost about, I think it was about 80 pounds to buy on the menu. Oh. And the grill chef walked out on the shift and I was I was the next one down. And it is an intense section because it was a Cuban menu. There was like meat everywhere. Yeah. Were like, you were on Chateaubriand. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to do that. So I started cooking them. And then I said to the sous chef, who was on the other side of the pass, I was like, hello, mate. Um, can, can you just double check that this is medium rare? And 
I can let it rest and it'll be, you know, medium by the time we serve it. And he went, I'm not fucking doing your job for you. And I was like, I'm not asking you to do my job for me. I'm just asking, you know, as we're a team, you know, I was trying to be all sort of like, you know, nice about us. As we're a team, come on, let's all come together. (laughs) And then he just went, you fucking, you sort it out. I was like, okay. So I put the thing on the, on the pass and I went and sat in the walk-in fridge and just shut the door. And I wasn't upset. I wasn't, I was just like, you know, part of me is just like, fuck you, mate. I don't have to deal with this. And then I came out like 10 minutes later and he was like, where have you been? I was like, I was in the walk-in fridge. He was like, what were you doing? I was sitting down having a chill. And he was like, why are you all meant to be helping? I was like, you didn't help. And he went, who's giving you attitude? And I went, see you then. I just left. I literally just walked out. I was like, you know, there there was part of me that wanted this abuse, like in the kitchen. I wanted to be like getting it like Ramsey. I wanted to be like shouted at. Then as soon as I got it, I was just like, this is so pathetic. This is so pathetic. I was like, you're not achieving anything by shouting at me. You're not helping anyone by shouting at me. If you literally just went, that's perfect, you know, none of this would have happened. Um, Less time out of the day, isn't it? To just say, yeah, "Yeah, it's fine. Um, Yeah, I'm just like, what? It's just, and and I don't want to tarnish every chef for this. Of course. Because, you know, I've worked with amazing other, like people in other places that are sous chefs and head chefs that have been like the most amazing people and I still look up to them now. And, um, but yeah, having that, I was just like, why? What, What has happened to you in your past to give me that shit? um so yeah from that aspect like mentally i'm quite strong and i can kind of just like flip it but you can see there was one guy that had been there for 15 years who left the day before i left and he was a broken man he was just like why are you treating me like this for what i've done for you but i think what you almost have to realize in restaurants is that even if you're working you're still just a nobody in that big scheme of things you know like the name above the door is all that matters. And mm. then you're just helping that person stay there. So yeah. if you're happy with that, you can deal with that, then it's totally cool. But if you want like accolades and pat on the back, you know, choose a different career. <laughs> think, do you think people like, um, you know, like Gordon Ramsay and his whole vibe of, you know, just screaming and telling people to fuck off. And obviously for sure that's dialed up a little bit for TV and, and all that stuff. But do you think that's informed the the chef industry a lot and potentially made it a little bit more toxic? Cause there are chefs out there going, Oh, well I'm going to, I'm going to behave like Gordon. I'm going to fucking beast the the staff under me and all this. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it, it, it is sad because it's almost like it gives them free reign to be a wanker. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it. If you shout at me, I'm probably just going to turn around and walk off. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm the most unconfrontational, unconfrontational person in the world. And I think, you know, being a chef, you have to be a really good communicator. And especially if you're a head chef, you have to be able to communicate in a way that, you know, you can talk to people on all different levels and you have to shout at points because, you know, in the heat of the moment, you need something that, you know, if, if someone said do something, you're, you're like, fucking like you'd be angry. You know, you would want it to happen, you know, snappy because everything's riding on it. But there needs to be a point where like it it dials back. I've seen... Yeah. Like I, for one example, I, I've lost, I lost the plot once. There was this KP who was winding the, winding me up. He was this little Spanish kid. I loved him to bits. Yeah. One shift, he was just like, nah, not doing it. And I was like, mate, please, can you just wash this plate for me? I need it. And he's like, nah. Like the whole day, the whole day, I was like, right, this is really annoying. Then we got to service and I was, um, I was plating up something and I was like, oh, can't remember his name. Let's call him Davide. I was like, Davide, can you please just um, wash this thing up for me? I just need it like straight back. He's like, really chill. And he was like, nah. And I had a pair of tongs. At- <laughs> I threw them at him <laughs> and it hit him. And then instantly I went, fuck, I went over it. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean it. Like, you know, 
classic yeah. me being like, oh shit, I fucked up, you know. And um, you you do lose it, you know. You could it does go like that, and the yeah. pressure of the kitchen because lots of stuff's riding on it. But it's hot in there as well, isn't it? And that it, that yeah. does weird things. I know it sounds like such a simple thing, but when you're hot, you you get more, you get agitated quicker. I certainly do. You know, yeah. you get agitated and you, you you kind of tense up a bit. Like you said, you go and sit in the fridge to cool down, literally. Yeah. You no, know, it, it it does it does well. It certainly, like winds me up. I know I worked out in Greece for quite a few years, and I remember. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this. Probably not legal, but I think it's Wild West out there. But the boys in there, they came out the came out the kitchen one day, and they were like, "It is, it's it's fifty degrees in the kitchen right now." You know, yeah. we walked we walked in. My my younger brother was the KP at the time. We walked in, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it's yeah, savage. It's uh, the work those boys used to do. Because I was I, basically where I worked in in Greece. I was a windsurfing instructor, and we'd go up to the hatch every day, get our staff food, and I'd be like, "Come here, all right, boys." And they're just like hustling, just hustling, yeah. working so hard for. But it was very different. They'd work, like you said, they'd work for. It'd be two and a half, three hours at most of like really hardcore, and then they'd be chilled for another four yeah. or five hours. They had all afternoon to chill out, and then there was another three hours in the afternoon where they oh, did everything. So it's like you said, it, it's it's a very different way of working to to so many other people. Yeah, and I think I think the the part of it where you really get burnt out is not so much the hours, but it's like the wind down from it. You know, like I I worked at a place in Chelsea where we was just like crew catering. It was really crap. You know, we was in a tent, but I'd start at five in the morning. I'd get there, so I'd be up at half four. I'd go and work till about two, three in the afternoon. Then I'd cycle from Chelsea to Old Street and work at a cookery school and do like five, six hours and finish at like 11. But that was like a solid day. And then you get home and you're just like, you know, you're buzzing. You're just like, you can't switch off. You know, you'd have a beer at home, you know, you'd have a smoke or whatever. And then before you know it, you had to be up in three hours. And you're like, what kind of life is this? And you don't get proper sleep because you're just like wired. And, you know, that's where I think you know, people snap more than the attitude and the pressures in the kitchen. I think it's just like a compounded thing of lack Burn of out. sleep, you know, no social the social life, you know, all of those kind of things you sacrifice. And then you're in the kitchen, you're like, what the fuck? Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? And that's what happened to me. You know, I didn't get to that point of breaking, but I was like, I need a change. I need a big change. So, yeah. So when do you think, I mean... I guess it's difficult because I don't have the only real experience I had is because I did all this seasonal work. The the chefs were usually quite young guys. They were also around around my age. I mean, I'm 29 now. So they were all around, you know, that mid mid 20s and things like that. And funny, chefing or or restaurants in general seem to have got more casual as time's gone along. I know, you know, you could call it hipster or whatever you want, but food in general you know there's a lot more focus on like street food and and, and all yeah. that stuff and that that whole fine dining thing I, I i maybe it just doesn't resonate quite as much with our generation simply because we can't fucking afford it <laughs> but you know maybe but that seems to have changed and i guess for for a chef like yourself and things that that must be a bit quite a good thing yeah yeah and i think i think what what has happened in like over the last you know like you said like the last five six years is people kind of realize that you know you, you don't just work to live you know like yeah. what if we can do something that we love and we can make money and we can also have a social life so, yeah. you know like these street food things are like you know the perfect thing like you know what if you want to go and you know i had friends that um set up like a hawaiian poke bowl 
and you know they would prep the night before you know they would get there early morning and then they would like do the lunchtime then they would have all evening off you know yeah. and it's just like great when do you want to hang out with people in the evening you don't want to hang out with people in the morning because that's when you want to chill out so you know if you can get your priorities right and you can set yourself up like that then it's great isn't it yeah i mean i i yeah it's it's my kind of that's my kind of dining that's what i yeah, yeah. i love it like like you said you know you you eat a little bit and you, it's very much like my my girlfriend grew up in um in tarifa in spain so she loves it as well there's the whole tapas kind of vibe that she grew yeah. up with for a while and and that, that's like we went to barcelona just before covid hit last year and we went to a few tapas places and you know you, you have a beer or two and then you're like right bring a bit more over and you eat a bit, <laughs> bring a bit more and i was like that is such a nice way of eating it's, yeah. it's so it's so much better than um sitting down to this huge meal and as soon as you finish the meal you can't socialize because you're too full you just need to go home and have a nap oh man we i, I went to a few stuffy restaurants when uh when i when i was doing my my comedy tour as i say and uh i just hated it i just hated like the formality of it we went to this one really wanky restaurant i can't even remember the name it was in jersey and i was such a twat that i was just like they'd put food down and then they would explain the dish they would be like sir tonight you'll be eating something blah, blah, blah. and i'd be like oh cool and they'd be like, what am I eating again? And they would have to pick it up and do it again and go, tonight, sir, you'll be eating. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, I'm sorry, man, I didn't quite catch that. You know, and, they kept <laughs> doing it. and I was just like, well, I just, I hate all these formality. Some yeah. people love it, you know, like they, they, you know, some people love fine dining, but I just find it all a bit, you know, fluffy. I'm just like, give yeah. me a bowl of chicken wings and a blue cheese dip and some curly fries and a beer. And I'm like, yeah, let me go on with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, with with all that in mind, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm we're we're moving on. I'm going off topic, maybe I'm going off piece. Um, nice. But I wanna I wanna touch on your what what you're doing now. So this La Gomme Chef and and all that stuff. So first things first. I mean, I was on your website earlier, and I just want to read out what um what you've written on there. What La Gomme means. So yeah. La Gomme is the Swedish philosophy of living life in balance and moderation. It's not too much, not too little, but just the right amount. And as soon as I read that, I was like. Fuck, I'm so glad I'm talking to this guy because all I we said before I hit record, all I talk about on here, I talk about Star Wars far too much. I, I can't I'm literally obsessed with Star Wars. It's a bit embarrassing. I'm 30 this year, but whatever is what it is. Um <laughs> but you know, all they talk all I talk about is life is all about balance. And you know, sure you can you can have a cream egg if you want now and then, but just don't eat five a day, you know, yeah. and, and and all this stuff. And then I read a little bit more that you you'd had a kind of similar experience. So, and something I really want to chat to you about is we've all relied on food a little bit over the last year, you know, for our mental health. And it's, it's been one of the few sources of enjoyment that we can kind of continue to have through, through the last year, you know, we haven't been able to socialize as much or anything, but we've still been able to eat nice food. Um, so I know you've kind of, you know, you, you had a bit of a turning point where I guess you were maybe eating too much and, and things like that. Is, are, you, are you happy to kind of, you know, go into that a little bit more? And then I know you, you turned a bit of a corner and got into your fitness as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you go into that, that a little bit and, and what happened there? Yeah. yeah. So like, as, as we've been saying that like all of the, um, the restaurant life and everything kind of, I was working at a cookery school and it was like amazing, like, but we were yeah. doing long shifts and we were, boozing because it wasn't a fancy cookery school it was like a corporate fun day away so it was unlimited booze and oh my god so when you're working you're like having a bit of fun and then they're just like martin you can have a beer with us and i'm like oh just the one just the one turns into about five bottles of proseccos and before you know it you've called up the day i'm really you know you're like you're like pissed every night for a couple of months and I used to play rugby at quite a high level i used to play football for ipswich academy when i was younger you know wow. i was fit as a fiddle and yeah, yeah. As, I'm, as I was in London, 
I saw myself like slowly slipping and I was like, <laughs> kept looking at myself going, ah, I'm not too fat. You know, like my hair was growing. I looked like, um, like fucking, what's his name? Off Tom Hanks off of uh, Castaway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, long hair. And um, there was this one picture that was always resonates with me. I tried to quit smoking. Right. And I had a fake cigarette in my mouth. I was sitting on the floor in my chef whites, fat, bearded, long oh, hair, yeah. peeling potatoes. And I was just like... <clears throat> you knob i was like look at you like yeah. you smoke because it was cool you smoke because you're in like the the, the chefing world yeah i was gonna say every chef smokes. yeah it was the only reason to get a break you know yeah. you were drinking too much and you know i was partying after work and i was just like what have you done and i was like you know i'm very all in or nothing and i was just like let's do something about this let's let's just try and go for a run you know see what i can do so i, I signed up to a triathlon um and I, I i was like right i'm gonna i'm gonna do the run it was a 10k run and i was like, i'm gonna do the run and see how long that takes me and we can start from there yeah, yeah. So i did a 10k run it took me like an hour and a half and i was Amazing. i was fucked i was like running i was like stopping i was like wheezing i was sweating i was like i took a rucksack with like five liters of water because i didn't know how long it was going to take me you know it was bad it was really bad and then i just kind of like was like right okay well this is a good starting point i'm always like let's start somewhere and just see where you can get yeah so it, it kind of just escalated i was like right i'll run to work and then i'll get the train home you know and i won't drink at work and then you know i'll do a day and i'll be like wow that was quite, that was quite cool i'll do it again and then it just kept on going and i did the triathlon and i was like just an olympic distance and i was like amazing i really enjoyed it got the buzz i was like this is cool and then i was like what's next and then i was like started typing in I was like what's the next distance so it's like half Ironman and I was like cool let's sign up to one of those and then where it really escalated like far too quickly which was complete like schoolboy error but it was funny is um I got smashed on my birthday in November and I woke up and I was on you know laptop on your chest just typing away and uh I typed in hard races you know <laughs> really <Yeah>. hard races <laughs> And this company came up called Brutal Events. They and they just do brutal races. I've, I've heard of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they do an Ironman, which is like the world's hardest Ironman. They do this race called Midnight Mountain Marathon, which is up Penny and uh, Penny Fan and all of that. And they do this race called the Wanna, and um, it's an eighty-six mile trail run along the Jurassic Coast in twenty-four hours. Fucking hell! And on their thing, they said we need a blogger, and I was like. I'm in. I like emailed them. I was like, hello, I would love to blog for your race. And they were like, what's your experience? I was like, yeah, I'm really fit. And they're like, cool. Have you ever done any ultra marathons? I was like, no, um, but I've got one booked in white lie. So yeah. I went and booked in for another one. <laughs> um, so long story short, I basically went and did this race and I completely broke myself. I was like, I, I was running like 20 miles of, like every other day. Cause I was like fit and I was loving it. But like running an ultra marathon is completely different to running 20 miles. And um, I how, long, how long is an ultra marathon? Do you know? So an ultra marathon is anything over a marathon, really. Like okay. I think they start classing an ultra marathon at thirty miles, which is like fifty okay. k. So that's yep. like the first denomination. And anything after that is like you know great. Right. And um, yes, then I went and did this the the one uh, as the blogger, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's Martin Odell. He's the blogger. We've <laughs> like, been following your journey." And I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." So I felt a bit of pressure. I was like, "Right, I've got to do well." Yeah. So the first half of it was like 40 odd miles and i was like fifth place i was loving it i had my top yeah, off, yeah. the sun was shining i was like drum and bass i was like going for it i absolutely seized up halfway oh, my, no. went, my knees went hamstrings went 
I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't strong enough, nothing. And then the second half of the race took me, I think, almost 14 hours. And I was just like crawling up these hills. It was so, so dark. It was like, yeah, really painful. But psychologically, once I'd finished, I was like, great. You know, I, can, I know I can do that now. I was like, that's that's boxed off. Um, yeah, and then things just escalated. You know, like I said, like my chefing career, I was like all in. Then endurance world, I was like all in. I was like, how do I make my life revolve around endurance now? Right. Um, so I signed up to an Ironman um, and then I signed up to a double Ironman and cycled around England, you know. <laughs> and I, I loved the psychology of it all. You know, I loved, it wasn't so much like, oh, congratulations, you've run a long way. I was just like, I love being really like fucked, like mentally exhausted. And it just like pushed me to do these things. Like yeah. I did a, um, a, a one was mad, which was a 24 hour event, a five mile loop. And you just ran as far as you could, you know, you could stop whenever you wanted, you could do whatever you wanted. And I wanted to do a hundred miles and I, I did a hundred miles in like 22 hours or something. I just stopped. I was like, I'm happy with that. Other people doing 150 odd miles, whatever. I remember the last two laps of it, I was like tripping, like, mm. like I'd taken something very, very special. And I just remember yeah. being in the woods, like so at peace with myself. I was like, Mark, you've achieved the most amazing thing, but you are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so cool. And like, now I sort of say to people when they want to do an, an endurance event is I was like, get to know your body as best as possible. Because I knew that I was so happy, like being that fucked that I was still with it, but I was like away with the fairies. And, you know, I, I say train so that you can enjoy a race. Don't train to win a race. Like you're never going to compete with the big dogs. So just train to like know that your body can go through it. Um, yeah. And I just love the psychology of it all. Like, you know, not sort of like looking into the nitty gritty, but just sort of like going, right, my body can take me a long way. I know I can probably do 50 solid hours of exercise. So it'll only be me that gives up in my head. Mm. Um yeah, so it just kind of kept escalating and escalating. And then with the double iron man, I ended up like, yeah, breaking my penis, which is quite a funny story. But um... <laughs> <laughs> how'd you do that running? <laughs> well, you, you get to cycle for, uh, I think I was cycling for like 26 hours of the event. Oh, my so, God. Um, there's a lot of sitting on a lot of. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I can. Oh, <clears throat> Yeah, so that was a uh, that was fun. But um, well, so you, yeah, it was, basically, just have like when you get a really numb bum from like sitting too long. Did you basically just do that so much that the nerves were like, "Now, nah, mate, you're not going to work anymore yeah, for three months." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but luckily, I was working um, at the body coach. Yeah, Joe Wicks, the old curly haired guys. I was working for him, and we had private healthcare. So the only sort of thing that I ever put through private healthcare was uh, loads of Viagra from a urologist. <laughs> I'll have a thousand blue pills, please. Yeah, he called them Smarties. He was like, I'll sign you off a couple of Smarties, old boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all know everyone likes the blue ones the most, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's epic, mate. That's epic. Do you think um do you think that like obsession with like feeling mentally fucked and stuff, do you think you've maybe got way more of a resilience with that stuff because you're working as a chef and you've, you've done all that and you've experienced those really high pressure environments um I, th I think yes and no i think it's like um my mates always say it's a bit like my, my personality is very you know 
quite sort of like gun ho and yeah. more, like, like I said I've always been you know, everyone says that I'm good at things like I'm, yeah. I'm always like everyone's like oh, you're always good at something I'm like I'm sorry <laughs> it's not my fault you know <laughs> and I think with that kind of comes like this underlying current of like a bit of confidence like yeah. I don't really doubt myself I'm not cocky in any way shape or form but I just don't really doubt myself I'll That's go cool. into a situation and I'll just be mm. like you know what I can probably I, I can probably do this so yeah. let's let, let's give it a crack and what's the worst that can happen if you fail you fail um and that's you know that's what I've I really try and instill with people in the business is you know just make a start like what's the worst that can happen from trying to be a bit better you know like we all go oh I wish I could do this or wish I could I like fucking start do it do it you know, just do it you know what's yeah. what's the you know what's the harm in trying like and you know I, I'm sure we'll come on to this later but like when I say about food waste I was like there is nothing negative about trying to cut out food waste in your house there is mm. nothing that if you tell me one negative thing, I'll tell you to fuck off because there definitely isn't. And it's that kind of thing. I'm like, if you if there's you know there's nothing wrong with it, then why aren't we trying to do it? And um, yeah, I think I, I, I can I can go on forever about it. But yeah, <laughs> well, I think it's, it's what the, the amazing thing that you touched on there is it, it's something that it doesn't annoy me because it's it's not I'm not that close to it that it, I let it annoy me. But something that that bothers me perhaps is, is this whole thing that people come up with of like, Oh, you've, I'll take a personal example. So when I, uh, I've tra traveled a lot windsurfing. So I, I lived in Cape town for three months, every, every winter for a couple of years and all this stuff. And when I'd go home back to the UK, I'd, I'd work in a leisure center for a couple of months, just make a bit of money. And then I go traveling again. And I remember working in the leisure center and a few of the boys in there, or whoever I'd be in the staff room and they're like, Oh, I wish, I wish I could go traveling like you. I wish I wish I could go live in Cape Town for three months, and I'm like, you can, yeah, you, can, you literally can. Yeah, I'm like, it, it's so easy. I'm like, I work here for two months, and that pays for me to live in Cape Town for three months, and I also have to put windsurf kit on the plane, which you wouldn't have to do. I'm yeah. like, you you literally can do it. You all live with your parents. You don't pay any rent. I'm like, just do it. You know, yeah. we're all we're all young, and they they just. They just couldn't couldn't grasp it. A couple of them just couldn't get their hands heads round that you you can just book a plane ticket and just go and do these things. Yeah. I think so many people in life sit and wait. They're like, oh, I'll do it when I win the lottery, or mm. you know, oh no, I'll do it when I'm even even just like I'll do it when I'm older. Because it's like if you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it when you're older. You yeah, know? yeah. No, no. As you get older, you're just going to get tied down to more stuff. You know, you might have a kid, you might get married, you might buy a house all this stuff, you know, you might get a really good job that you can't leave, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's my only, that's my experience purely from a, a travel perspective, but every, so many other of these decisions and things that people just don't do. Yeah. Like, you know, something like booking an ultra marathon and being like, because it gives you a sense of accountability, I suppose that, doesn't it? You know, you book it, and you go, fuck, I've got to run 50 miles in three months. I better start, I better start training. You know, well, I think that's the thing. I think like you, you knocked it on the head was like the, the accountability aspect of it is like, you know, once you sign up to an event and you pay for it, then you're in. And like, I, I try and be nice with my business and like give people stuff for free. But as soon as you give them stuff for free, then they just like, there's no accountability. It's like, it doesn't matter if they don't do it. And um, I, I ran a bit of a, um, when I first started the business, I was like, look, good thing. I, I put this post up. I was like, good things come to those who click. And I didn't say anything else. I just posted that. And then about 20 people clicked through and I gave them a free meal plan. And I was just like, you know, look, this is the thing you've taken action. And this is the one thing I want people to do is to take action with what I'm doing. Yeah. And then about 18 of the people, you know, got the meal plans and I haven't heard from them. And I'm just like, 
it's because there's no accountability there. And I was like trying to be like, you know, proactive and get these people thinking. But then some people you just can't, you know, you just can't get them to go. But yeah, it's people, people, I think people generally are just can be quite resistant to change, can't they? You know, they're, yeah. just, they're, they're not up for, you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't do that. And a lot of it, I think a lot of it as well is, is kind of that self-doubt. You know, you yourself said you're, you're quite a, you've got this inherent confidence in you. So you're quite happy going, yeah, okay, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of, and this is not me putting you down or anything, but a lot of people don't have that, do they? They don't yeah. have that. They, they have, they have a little voice in the brain going, you can't do it. <laughs> you can't do that. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's but I think, um, I, like I went to Australia for like six months and that was like my, nice. you know, like my, that, that was me opening up, you know, I, my mum gave me some money. She was like, go to Australia and find yourself. That's it. <laughs> and, and I went and, you know, I, I'm forever grateful for my mum for letting me do that because I went and I spent, you know, she gave, I think she gave me two grand in traveler's checks and she was like, right, that's got to last you six months. You know, you'll get a job at some point. And I was like, yeah, yeah cool. The first two weeks I'd spent almost 1800. I was going to say like, that's not much money for Australia. <laughs> no. And I'd, I'd like booked like surf trips. I'd booked like, you know, skydives. I bought a crocodile hat that cost me like $150. I was having oysters in Sydney Opera House. And then I got to Byron Bay and I was like, God, I'm, I've got no fucking money. Yeah. And I lived off $150 for four months because I met the most amazing people. I worked in a hostel. So all my food was paid for. Yeah, yeah. We'd go to like Cheeky Monkey and have, you know, booze. And then because you're like working at the hostel, everyone's like, oh, let's get him pissed. And you're like, okay, do you want to buy me a drink? And then before you know it, you're smashed and you've spent <laughs> no money. And it was, you know, it was incredible. And it was just like that, you know, that resourcefulness of just having like, you know, a bit of, um, like, what's the word? Like, uh, sort of like can-do attitude. I was like, fuck it. I was like, what's the worst that can happen with having no money? I was like, yeah. nothing. If people want to buy me stuff, then great. <laughs> and when I came back from Australia, my whole thing in my head, because Australians love to say, fuck it. I was like, fuck it. Like, what is the worst that can happen from doing something? So I made so many decisions based on saying, you know, fuck, fuck it, it in my head, like summarizing things quite quickly and going, like, fuck it, what is the worst that can happen? Then I found a book called, it's actually down here, called The Fuck It Therapy. Mm. And it's just like, you know, all these little situations where it's just like, yeah, what is the worst that can happen from taking this on? You know, mm. like people sort of like have this in this block straight away because they just go, I can't do it. But it's just like if you summarize it, it's like what what's the worst gonna what's the worst thing that can happen from having another beer? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, all of these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, it depends it, what state you're in. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah, I mean I've 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 kind of always had the same thing. I'm always my I was told very when I was younger, like just fake fake it till you make it. You know? Yeah. Nice. And I, I my mum was always like the worst that will ever happen is someone will just say no. Like yeah. Someone will just say no. That's it. You know, so I, I, I was like, well, I'll just try my luck, try my luck with things. And it always, it always seemed to work, you know, quite well. well. I see. You almost sort of like, you know, in life is just a constant black, you know, like your CV is never really like a, a true representation of what you actually did. I think you just end up going, oh yeah, yeah, no. Like, like I said, oh yeah, I was a head chef. I was never, I've, I've only been a head chef once and it was because the head chef was sick, you know, yeah. <laughs> but my CV reads, I've been a head chef for 25 years. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a head chef, mate. I've been a head chef. Yeah. Uh, I, I always remember. No, you go, go you go. I was going to say, I remember really quickly that one of my friends, he, he's like a Michelin star chef and he's worked his way through the ranks and his brother wanted to get a job at a ski resort in France and he didn't have a CV. It's like, can I borrow yours? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> changed the name and he got the job. 
he couldn't cook for shit, but <laughs> he still got the job. He was a head chef on paper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's classic. Um, so, I mean, uh, you, you, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on it very briefly because you, you mentioned it. You said something about nutritionists. I didn't realise it was it was the nation's favourite PE teacher. Um, so, you you know, you've kind of, you, you moved on to the Legom Chef now, I guess. Is, this, is that what you were doing before then? So what, you briefly said you kind of make diet diet plans and, and nutrition and stuff like that. Is that is that something you got into after you were into the kind of fitness side of it, and you were like, I'll kind of tie tie that in with my with my food as well. Yeah, it was it was it was actually really natural. It was really weird. I I was, I was everything reverts around a cookery school, but I was I was working there, and um, a friend of a friend kind of like said, "Oh, there's a job going with this guy. Like maybe you could go and do like some work for him. They're looking for like a developmental chef." And I was just like who is it? And he told me, and I, no one knew who he was because he was, this was like 2014, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, that, I was like, I, I don't know him. And then basically the, the boss man called me up, not Joe, the other guy. And uh, which I can't say too much about, but anyway, That's right. Yeah, yeah. I got a phone call and um, we're just like, Oh, we're looking for a chef to come and do some developmental work. What do you know about nutrition? And I was just like, again, blagging. I knew fucking nothing. I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Every, yeah, I'm pretty good with it. I do a lot of sport. Wasn't doing any sport at the time. And then, um, and then they were like, cool, can you send us over a couple of recipes? And I'm like, yeah, sure. What do you want? They were just like three recipes, you know, easy to cook, blah, 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 all balanced with macros. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I was like, what the fuck are macros? So I got home and I was just like, oh God, called my mate Jamie. He was like into his nutrition. I was like, what, what does this mean? And he was like, oh, you just got to balance the meals. I was like, but how do you balance them? And he got into this, sent him off three recipes that um, that I kind of wrote and he balanced for me. And they were like, yeah, the job's yours if you want it. And it all happened within the space of like three days. And I was like so nervous. And I was like, I don't really understand what I'm letting myself in for. And he was like, yeah, work from home. You get a good salary. We'll give you a laptop, you know, bonus structure, everything. And I was just like, this is, this is, this is weird. This is yeah. working from home. So like, as a chef, I was like, this is, I, I don't know how I feel about this. So I took the job anyway. I like took a bit of a leap, and um, yeah, I was basically like the fifth member of staff for the at the body coach, and uh, I was um, I was rewriting all of the recipes that they had on their meal plans, and then developing new recipes, photographing stuff, that kind of thing. So I did two years there um, doing all of that stuff, and it kind of ended a bit weirdly um, with just, like, cross, crossover of bosses, money, and all that stuff, and I was stuck in the middle, and they were just like, you know you know this guy you know you don't know joe well enough you know we don't really need you anymore and i was like you you don't need someone to write recipes for joe anymore and they're like well well no no we've uh, joe can do that and i was like yeah whatever so i kind of i left or i got sacked because i told him he was a prick and then i got sacked but it was quite funny funny getting sacked <laughs> and then um and then my wife well my girlfriend like as she was but now my wife um she moved to switzerland and we had only been going out for a couple of months. And then she went, like, oh, I've got to go to Switzerland for my job. And I was like, what well, does that mean? We're not together anymore. She was like, no, I want to be together. And then I got sacked. And I was like, I'm fucking, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I spent, you know, two years out in Switzerland. And I was like trying to do my own thing. Like I called myself the nomadic chef at some point. Oh, and I was really trying to like make myself become Joe. Like I was like, yeah, if he can do it, I can do it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I was like writing meal plans and I was like, oh, I don't really like this. And then started another company with the ex-boss of the body coach, which was like a real flop and, you know, ended up being really weird. And again, ended really bitterly because I, for, for politics and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, that kind of led me into going, right, I'm going to do my own thing. This is the point where I'm like, this is 
this is my time to shine. Like, why have I not done my own thing all this time? And I I did a complete replica of what Joe was doing. I was like, I'm going to do meal plans because that's all I know. And then as the business progressed, you know, I was like, why am I doing meal plans? Like, I, I, I know nutrition, I'm good at nutrition, but it's not where my passion is. So I was like, that's when the academy started to like, you know, seep through and like, I love teaching people. And obviously I've been at the cookery school this time. So they kind of like, you know, came together and then the whole food waste thing was from snowboarding in Switzerland and everything kind of just like married like that. And I was like, wow, it was almost like it's meant to happen. You know, all of this stuff that you've been through that is meant to happen. And one of my friends, when I started the business, he said that you've been destined to do something, you know, on your own for a while, but you know, it takes all of these experiences that you've had to really shine what you want to do. Yeah. And you know, kids, when they're 18, 19, they're like, yeah, I want to be like Jeff Bezos. I want to be like Elon Musk, or I want to be like Branson or whatever. But the amount of shit that they went through before they even got to their point of where they feel like they were doing something that they enjoy is, you know, a lot. And I think that's what I try and, you know, I don't speak to many young people, but if I ever got to, it's what I'd say to them, like, explore, you know, make mistakes, experience things, do things. And then, you know, you'll figure it out. You know, I didn't go to uni until I was 25 because I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And oh, really? I did a photography degree and, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I use it now, but, you know, I, I never wanted to be a photographer, but I just had a bit of excitement for it at the time. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it all kind of like, like three-pronged attack of like nutrition, food waste and uh, teaching now. So it's cool. Yeah. I think it's that's such, that's such good advice, like just trying to, trying to kind of do your own do your own thing but just not trying to rush it yeah it's such a valuable thing to do because i think a lot of people do you're right especially you know in this day and age where you can make it on the internet and you go on tiktok and you get a million followers in a day and all this and people are trying to just you know get on love island and be famous and and make millions straight away and stuff without actually thinking what do i actually like what do i want to do yeah yeah. and unfortunately i think go on well, it, it takes it takes a long time to figure that out, you know. Yeah. It takes a long time to figure out. It doesn't. You you don't hit twenty one and go. This is what I want to do with my life. I'm an adult now, you know. Yeah. That doesn't happen. You need to figure out. You need to take more time and go. Do I like this? And and it doesn't matter if you try shit for a couple of years, like you said. You know, you do this and because all that stuff, all it is is experience. And then all it's going to do is make whatever you do that you make yours. It's just going to make that better. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like, you know, the, the internet and social media is a very, you know, fickle, dark place. And um, I, I see myself doing it. Like, I get very annoyed because, like, there's, there's a few people that, you know, I follow that I, I not admire, but I kind of like really liked their journey. And now I see them, you know, like with flashy watches and like nice shoes and cars and like, yeah. And then I'm just, I, I sit there and watch it and I'm going, is that what I, I don't ever want that, but I'd love to be a bit more like financially secure. But I always look at them going, fuck, if I started my journey, you know, two years ago, would that be me now? Is that where I should be in two years time? And then I end up going, Mark, don't be a dick. It's like, you, you don't want that. I, I would happily like make 20 grand a year, be able to pay for my mortgage and like, you know, put my kid through nursery and then have a bit of food. You know, that's how simple my life is. But I see myself going into that like rabbit warren of like going, oh, chasing the dream, you know, yeah. do I want to have a, a massive house and all of this? And I'm like, oh God. 
yeah but, difficult i think that's where a lot of people struggle because and I'm, I'm myself included you know i'm a, a, a similar-ish journey i i had i was in a very toxic job and i it's in the water sports industry i quit my job um in summer 2019 and went self-employed working in social media having run my own instagram as a windsurfing athlete and i managed that business's instagram for a while and i, I learned a lot doing that but I, I literally just went self-employed and I was like, I'm just going to try it and I'll get experience. And if it doesn't work, then in a year's time, a company will give me a job doing it. Yeah. But I, here I am two years later and one pandemic later and it's, it's, it's worked. Like, you know, I'm very fortunate enough. It's worked. Fingers crossed it carries on working, but it's, it's, it's really, it, it comes from that fuck it mentality as well that you spoke about earlier. Yeah. But it's, it's such a, I, I cannot describe how amazing it is like to do. But you do get caught up in that, oh, maybe I should be, maybe if I work really hard, I could make it. I'll have my own agency one day and I'll have people working for me and all this. But then I sit there and I go, actually, maybe I'll be able to go to South Africa for six weeks every year and sit <laughs> on my laptop and go, I can surf all morning and then I can work a bit and then I can windsurf all afternoon. And yeah. I'm like, which one would make me happier? One of them would mean I get an extra zero on the end of my bank account every year. And the other one would mean I can spend just as many hours a week windsurfing as I could spend working. So I'm yeah. like, which one is actually more important for me to live a more fulfilling life? And it yeah. is really difficult because society tells you, definitely tells you which way you should be going. Yeah, I know. And I think this is why, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to like, you know, I, I, you know, without saying too much, I know the journey that Joe went on and, yeah. you know, I, I, know the amount of help and the amount of people that gave him things and got him to where it is but from the outside it seems like well done Joe you've done everything yeah it's taken me 10 years to get to, he does it he puts it up all the time like oh you know this I was started in Richmond Park you know <sighs> x amount of years ago and you know 15 years down just hard work and perseverance and look where I am now and I'm like fuck off mate <laughs> fuck off you know, you had shit handed to you on a plate. You, you know, his brother, Nicky, is an absolute media genius. Right. Like he's got people around him that are like, you know, very business savvy, you know, know how to put him in the right places. P with Joe. Oh, yeah, I text my brother and had this idea. It's like, fuck off. Nicky had an idea. And he said, tell you what, kids can't exercise. Why don't you do it when everyone's stuck in yeah. lockdown? Or even, he, yeah. All he's right. just molded. And you look at it from the outside and people go, I love him. I love him. And I, I can't hate him because what he's doing is great. But I hate this message that people are like, hard work pays off. Um, you know, just do what you love and it will happen. Yeah. And I'm like, will it really? Yeah. Will it Will it really? You need a break. You need to graft. You need that like lucky break. Like, I've been doing what I've been doing for two years and like grafting and I'm still scraping. You know, I'm still like, you know, trying to make ends meet, you know, my wife luckily has got a good job and she can support me, but it's like, you know, all of these like little things that you see on social media, just like, just do this, just keep doing your passion and it will pay off. I'm just like, keep sort of giving people false hopes, I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think there is, there's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because people, it, it, I think a lot of it is you've just got to set your, set your expectation level of like where, what your definition of success is. Because yeah. for me, I'm, I'm a big believer of like, you've, you've just got to keep doing it. So for me with this podcast, so you're obviously starting one, doing one podcast episode isn't remarkable. Um, going, getting a year and a half, two years down the line and you've done a hundred podcast episodes is remarkable. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
you know. But if you set your expectation to go, right, in two years' time, I'm going to have a million downloads or, you know, I'm going to be number two to Joe Rogan on the podcast charts, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. You set it to go, in, in two years' time, I'd really like to have 10,000 streams. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to have a, a healthy you know, amount of people listening to it and, and sharing it. I'd maybe like to have a, a couple of brands getting involved and, and, you know, sending me a couple of bits. That's achievable. If you're putting yeah, the time yeah. in it, that will happen. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. People do put these dreams and, oh, you, you know, Richard Branson quotes and you'll have your own island. And it's like, ah, oh, mate, you, you yeah. probably won't. It's, it's like when you like when you see those um those <laughs> always see it, those Instagram pictures where it's just like this is a billionaire's day and it's like wake oh, up man. at five a.m. read sixty five books like coffee in the arsehole and I'm like I'm like mate I've got a kid you know I wake up at like you know half five in the morning I haven't got time to read three books over my breakfast yeah. and like look at the stock market I'm like no one does that and yeah. I think someone put a post up the other day said I, I tried to live the life of it and I woke up at 5am and fell back asleep until nine and I had a lovely day <laughs> yeah I, I share I share those on my um my Instagram quite a bit and just kind of I dismantle them a little bit yeah. I hate, the ones I hate most as well are the ones that are like if you do all these things in for 30 days you will be unrecognizable and yeah. it's like, eat no sugar meditate for three hours a day read read <laughs> 10 books don't eat any fat or carbs and it's just like how how are you meant to do all of those things it's just yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely- i think it's, it's it's one of those things that i say about like food waste when i talk to people and it's about it's you know it's about not being perfect you know you, if you strive for perfection you're you're going to fail i was yeah. just like just do incremental small things that are a little bit better and i i, I can't preach because i'm terrible but it's things that i think in my head that's just like that makes sense. That makes sense to anything, right? It's like if you're trying to, you know, be perfect, you'll definitely, definitely fail. But if you're just like, right, I'm going to do something that's a little bit better than I did yesterday, then you've achieved. You know, like you're saying about the streams, it just yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Well, let's 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 get into that kind of, you know, before we finish up, because I know that's a that's a huge part of of what you do now is the the whole food sustainability. And actually, what you've just said there is is really amazing because my. My, my friend Bruce, who listeners will know, he, he, he comes on the podcast quite often and I, I do Instagram lives with him every week and stuff. But his company, Turtle Straws, their whole ethos is um, create, making small sustainable, small sustainable changes for a, for a better world than this. And he's not about, you know, it'd be interesting to get your take on it as well. You know, these people that stand there with a cardboard sign saying nine out of 10 turtles get killed by plastic every year. And it's very much like... How the fuck does that help anything yeah. in terms of stability? And I guess it's, it's maybe similar with with the food waste as well. It's nine out of ten potatoes get thrown out and don't get eaten. Yeah. It, it, that doesn't help in any way. But I think as well, a lot of people look at people advocating for sustainability like, well, what should I do then? Should I just go live under a rock and eat leaves for the rest of my life? You know, and all this stuff. So it's... Uh, where, where did that passion for you come from with the, the food waste stuff? And then and, and why has that become such a huge part of your, your business now? Yeah, well, I, it, 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 it's really interesting. Like, I didn't really have a clue how bad food waste was or what it was doing to the planet. And you always hear climate change, global warming. But when you're in the UK, you're like, does that really affect us? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's very hard to like, you know, tell people that it is really bad and people just, you know, just go on about their daily lives and they're like, well, I'm happy. And it was, it, it sounds really like really cool and rad of me, but when I was snowboarding in Morzine <laughs> and uh, I was chatting to one of my wife's friends who's got a cafe out there and he, 
he was saying that um you know oh the sea like we was just a general chit chat over beers and he was just like you know the seasons are getting shorter you know the weather's really shit blah 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 and then he was just like you know it's down to global warming and climate change and I was just like you know I never really thought of it and I was like wow oh okay and then when I got back home I was like looking into it and I was like you know climate change you know what's the biggest contributors to global warmings and stuff like this and then food waste popped up and I was like huh and then started looking into it and I was just like fuck me I was like food waste like i've frozen stats at you they say food waste is the third bit if it was a country they say it's the third biggest contributor of carbon emissions behind um china and the usa wow um and i was just like wow kept looking into it and then it was like 70 percent of all food waste is from uk homes like in the uk it's not manufacturer it's not retail it's not commercial stuff so that's not your supermarkets restaurants it's us in the house throwing food away so i was like god how, can, can I do something about this? And then, uh, then it sort of like got me thinking, and this is where like the academy side came in. And like from working, you know, at the body coach, they would give someone a meal plan. And, you know, if that person can't cook, then they would potentially not do the meal plan. And if you can't plan a week, then you could get a hundred recipes. You could plan a week and then you could be cooking 21 different dishes and you'll be buying loads and loads of food that you potentially wouldn't use because you might change your mind and you'd waste it. And you'd see it all the time. And then I was like, wow, what if I designed a meal plan that kind of like was condensed version of like really amazing meals that kind of gave them this sustainability angle that, you know, gave them a short shopping list. and So then that's where, you know, the academy came from. And then the that sort of like the meal plan side came from. And then sustainability, the more I looked into it, the more... It was actually one thing happened during lockdown, which was like one of the best things that happened. My mate's got a branding agency and he said, during the pandemic, we're looking after smaller businesses. And I just started and the original company was called Lag on Fit. And we were like all about wellness and stuff like this. And I had a a friend who I started it with. He went silent and I got rid of him because he just disappeared anyway. And my mate turned to me and said, why is it called Lag on Fit? He was like, you should call it a chef because you're a chef. And he said, you want to turn it into you. You're not you at the minute. You're not being you. Yeah. So he gave me all of these things. He was like, um, you're a mate. You're not a wanker. Um, you're, um, what was it? Something, you're just, you're a mate. You're not a preacher. And he gave me this like diagram and my tone of voice. And he was just like, this is you. All I've done is put it into a presentation, but this is you. Awesome. He was like, this is everyone that's in the industry. And they're all these, like you said, like, oh yeah gosh if you eat your greens it does this and if you do this it does that and he was just like you go in there and just cut through it be the normal guy that is a mate that's not a wanker you're not preaching to them you're just going plain and simple i'm here to help um you know food waste is fucked let's let's look at it in the most simplistic approach easiest way to cut out food waste in your home is by eating the food that you buy you don't have to do anything fancy there's nothing fancy that you have to do in your home. You don't have to like regrow stuff. You just have to eat the food that you genuinely buy. And then I was like, this is almost like my hallelujah moment. Like I was like, fuck, I can be myself and have a business yeah. that is me, but like cuts through all of this sort of like sustainability, like wishy-washy fucking airy fairy, like doomsday talk. And yeah. I was like, let's just, let's, let's grasp it. Know it's a fuck situation, but have some fun with it. Yeah. Like, What's the point in sitting there going like, oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I threw the skin of the potato away, therefore I'm contributing. I'm like, get over it, fucking yeah. don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
you know, it's, it's been it's been cool because, you know, like that's where Stance came from. You know, Stance wouldn't have gone and done something with another sustainable chef because that it didn't resonate with their crowd. Yeah. Whereas I'm someone who loves outdoor sports. I love, you know, snowboarding. I, I, I like to think I can skateboard, although I can't. I can like roll on it. But like, I love all of that scene and like I, it, it's cool. So I was like, maybe if my business was cool and I can like go with brands like that, then it all makes perfect sense. And and it does. And there was this one quote which someone said to me, which was um, protect your playground. And, you know, with plastic waste, surfers need to, pla- you know, protect the, the oceans because yeah. that's where they surf. And I was like, this is where it originally came from with snowboarding for me. Like they need to protect their playground. The only way that they get their playground is from the weather. Yeah. So how do you protect the weather? It's climate change, it's global warming. How can you sort that out? And it was just this whole like, you know, like rain man moment of just all of these things colliding. And I was just like, fuck. And I just keep swearing at myself. And that's where the, the hashtag fuck food waste came from. Because I was just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying fuck because it's like cool and aggressive and whatever. I'm just like, it's fucking stupid. It is so retarded. Like food waste is just, it just baffles me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's amazing, actually. Like, I really, really need to get you get you in contact with my friend Bruce because he he does exactly the same thing, but with with plastic waste and and stuff like that. And the the straws he makes, and he calls out all these restaurants using paper straws, not knowing that they're actually all lined with plastic and completely unrecyclable. But they're like, oh, we've got paper straws. We're being good, you know. Yeah. And what what's amazing to me, what you said actually, is that it all comes from households because you always get these people demonising like. M&S or whatever they're like they're throwing out all these sandwiches at the end of every day or like Krispy Kreme like they're throwing all the donuts away give it to the homeless and all this stuff which again I completely fucking agree with they should just give it out I don't understand why they don't but yeah um it's amazing that actually the food waste doesn't actually come as much from them it comes from us in our houses throwing the odd couple of potatoes out every now and then or throwing a, a you know an old loaf of bread or yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's, a, you know, like we said, we don't like to throw stats around, but the one that I've, I've done a series on Instagram called the Potato Diaries because 4.4 million potatoes get thrown away every day in the UK. And what? you think how many people there are in the UK? I mean, was it like six point something million? You think like every day we're all putting one potato in the bin. It doesn't seem like a lot, yeah. but it is. It all adds up. And I think that's the scary thing is, you know, like restaurants, you know, have to create less waste because it's their GP, you know, that's how they, yeah. that's how they make money. If you waste food, you lose money. Why doesn't that happen in the home? You're yeah. still buying food. You're not getting food for free and throwing it away and there. It doesn't mean anything. You're still yeah. buying the food and you're still throwing it in the bins. You're just throwing money away. Why, yeah. Why don't we look at it? If we looked at it the same way the restaurants look at it, we'd probably go, well, hang on. I've just thrown, I've thrown £2.50 away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I can't remember the, the statistic. I think it's like £700 a year or something. They say that people throw away food. Yeah. Um, in a, in a, in a house. But I think it's I think the thing that I still get now is like, you can't just like dip your toe into like sustainability and food waste. Like I thought I could just go in and be like, I'm going to have a very simplistic approach and be like, eat the food you buy and that's it, you know, and I can help you do that. But then as soon as you start, you know, doing lives or you go onto social media, then people start going like, Oh God, you didn't use the, uh, the end of the onion. And yeah. I just go, Someone said about, oh, did you use the pasta water? What do you do with pasta water? And I said, I fucking put it down the drain. I was like, I haven't got time to deal with that. And that's not affecting. That's not the thing that's affecting climate change. No. And the thing that is affecting climate change and global warming is 
you know, throwing away whole ingredients, you know, not yeah. so much an or like a peel of something. It's like, like you forgetting about a potato, you forget about a loaf of bread, you forget about a banana and just chucking it in the bin. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it is mental. It is mental. So I guess now you, you kind of empower people to, to try and do that and then also help them come up with recipes and things to, to use all that, you know, like I, you, you did, the thing you did with stance was your, your ham hot cash, wasn't it? Where you were like, right, you got, you got a bit of, bit of ham left at the bottom of the packet. You've got some potatoes, you've got a, an onion that's about to go off or whatever. And just, just put it up, put it, cut it up, put it in a pan, fry yeah. it, put a bit of honey on it and it'll be lovely. Yeah. yeah. Well, my kind of like, this, it, it, I, I'd never know if this is far fetched. You have to let me know if you understand this, but like with the potato diaries, like what my, in my, the way my head works is like, say for example, you bake a potato yeah. and then um, with that you would go, okay, I can have tuna mayo, beans and cheese or coronation chicken. Great. They're your go-tos for a jacket potato. So you're yeah. locked into those ingredients. But then if I show you another way of cooking a potato, which could be, you know, a dauphinois potato, you know, tuna mayonnaise doesn't go with dauphinois potato. So it could be lamb or roast chicken or beef yeah. or whatever that unlocks another set of ingredients so by me, you know, opening up different ways to cook certain things, this can yeah. go with a pepper, this can go with an aubergine. All of a sudden you get this like spider diagram of like unlock, unlock, you know. And if I can teach people, you know, different techniques and different ways of like using ingredients, then it can, uh, then you can look in the fridge and go, oh my God, I've got a pepper. You know, I could stuff that or I could roast it and make a romesco sauce or I could just put it into a salsa, which then unlocks fish or it unlocks. So it's just like, I'm trying to get people to think, you know, a little bit more creatively. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, some people really struggle with it, but then some people really go like, my God, yeah, I, I had this like pepper at the back of the fridge and I had some couscous, so I stuffed it. And I'm like, great. I was like, this yeah. is what you need to do. Um, so it is, it is cool, but it's, um, yeah, I think trying to explain my brain sometimes is <laughs> no, <it's laughs> quite hard. As you said, though, you know, you've, I think something that's so important, I mean, maybe this is me putting my social media hat on rather than my podcast host hat on, but like finding your audience, well, actually, no, it is, it is podcasting as well, but finding your, finding your audience is so important. And you've obviously found, you found kind of like your little niche of like, this is the way I do things. And I'm not going to stand there with a cardboard sign and, and cry about it and all this, we're just going to get on with it. And, and, and this is the way they do it. And, and people have, are obviously, you know, responding to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like this, 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 some of the like the simplest things as well. Like we we touched on really early is like talking about, you know, like making um, bechamel sauce was one. There's a there's a guy on on Facebook called I think he's called Nat's What I Reckon or something. He's an Aussie guy. Right. And he's so good, but he does like packet sauces and packet meals and stuff like that. But I did a bechamel one, and I was like, here is a jar of Dolmio bechamel. Let's look at all of the ingredients, and it was mental. And you yeah. taste it, and you're like, that is fucking revolting. I was like, let me show you how simple it is to make that. And then, you know, four ingredients and people were just like, oh my God, I've never known how to do this. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? I'm like, okay, right. Then I was like, what's next? And I was like, pesto, hummus, you know, it's endless. It's endless. And people were just like, this is so amazing to sort of, you know, not demystify because that's such a, 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 an Instagram thing, you know, busting myths and all that debunking <laughs> thing. But it's like, you know, really just making it easily to understand. And, yeah. you know, Reels has become so massive now, but then Reels really fucks me off because with cooking, especially like a hollandaise sauce, I made a reel of hollandaise sauce. And I was like, I I understand how to do it, but there's so many little nuances. Like, 
how do you make like the vinegar reduction? What do you put into it? Like, you know, the butter has to be warm, otherwise it's gonna split. Your eggs have to be warm, otherwise it's gonna split. And in a reel, it looks nice, but it doesn't help anyone. Yeah. So this is where like I've started doing like longer form content to try and like really like explain everything in a non-boring, wanky way, really. So yeah well no it's it's great as i said you know you you kind of find your find your voice and i think i think it's really important as we said earlier it's really important not to be like oh well everyone else is doing this so i should probably do it as well it's really yeah. important to be like no i'm i'm gonna it doesn't i'm not gonna do a 30 second reel i'm gonna sit for five minutes and i'm gonna say this is how you make hummus this is how you make pesto yeah. not just like this is me in the kitchen and then it cuts to oh this is me doing this i know this is an audio podcast so i'm, I'm kind of dancing around <laughs> being a twat yeah you know you close back on yeah <laughs> got a blue pill um yeah you know it's it, it is it is one of those things that you if you can find your um yeah find your own your own way of doing things and and stick with it as well like i said the persistence thing you know is is um is such an such an important thing for 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 people to do and it and it and it takes time to like find that thing like i think i think people like well especially me like i'll go on instagram and i save so much and i'm like yeah i need to do a carousel like this person and i, I need to do a video like this person and i'm like it's not me it's it's so not me and it takes time to sort of like fuck around with things and like you know like oh do i need music do i not need music do i need to do this do i need to do a voiceover or do you know and it's all these little things that you're just like just play around with it until you figure out what works for you and what you enjoy and what your audience enjoys and it is trial and error you know yeah. you can't copy no one's copy but this was, it was a classic one i worked with a nutritionist and her brother set up an instagram and he was just like i don't understand why i'm not getting traction i'm doing exactly what joe wicks is doing but you know i'm just i'm like that's why it's been done it's yeah been done like joe wicks didn't get famous because he's doing 15 second meals he got famous because he's a good looking lab with a six pack and you know a nice tanned photo shoot but it's like you know people just now go right so if i do like 15 second meals and throw stuff in getting bosh dish dash then i'll get famous it's like nah it doesn't happen yeah you've got you've got to find your own you can you can take like elements from it. Like I definitely do it with, with this podcast. You know, I've got a, a certain few people that I kind of look up to, whether it's podcasters or, um, you know, people on Instagram or anything like that. And I've, you know, certain phrases or whatever, like even, even you like food is mood, you know, just yeah. <laughs> certain things like that, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't become my cornerstone. If you know what I mean? Like I've yeah. got my, my own cornerstone of the podcast and, you know, like a big part of my podcast is, is, is drinking beers and stuff. You know, I always yeah, have a beer when I record and all that stuff. And I'm very aware that within the mental health space, there's a bit of a stigma about drinking and all this, like, Oh, we should all be, you know, going sober and taking ice baths and, and, you know, I'm, I'm three months sober today and I'm this, and I'm like, fuck you. I like drinking beer. Like the yeah. first, first thing I'm going to do when this is over is go and sit in a pub with all my friends and drink beer. Like it's, 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 yeah, it's, a, it's something it's really, me. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's literally me. And I think people, people see that, don't they? When, when you're trying, when you're not being you, people are like, they, sn people can sniff it out on social media. They're like, this guy's trying to be Joe Wicks. Or this guy's yeah, trying yeah. to be, you know, whoever he's, he's not being him. You can really tell, I think. And you, you get it. Like I, I've got a mate that went sober for like 90 days and we gave him so much shit. We were like, it was like, yeah, I'm not drinking. We're like, what? What? You, why? And he's like, yeah, just doing the, what, just for 90 days. And then that's it. He's like, yeah, yeah. Just testing myself. And I was just like, oh, mate. I was like, what? So we're going to go to this barbecue. You're not going to drink. No. I'm like, oh, you've, you've changed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I'll just be like, all right, well, yeah, pre- prepare to not have anywhere near as much fun as the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> you prepare to remember everything, you weirdo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, fucking fruit loop. Um, well, cool. Let's let's kind of finish up there. So uh, my kind of quick fire questions um, before we before we finish up. Um, where where is your happy place, Martin? Whereas you you obviously we're stuck, we're indoors. This 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 question has taken on a new resonance. Uh, I started the podcast three months before COVID started, so um, yeah, this has always been there. But obviously, it's a very different question now because we've not fucking left the house for three months. But <laughs> yeah, if you you know, click, I know you've got you've got a little one as well. Uh, but yeah, click click your fingers now. Where where are you? What in my house or anywhere in the world? No, you can be at any anywhere in the world, mate. Where's your happy place? Where, where yeah, if, it was, if it was in my house, it would be my ensuite toilet with the door locked. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some fucking peace. Yeah, a bit of peace. Um, car, I, I would have to say somewhere in, oh, actually, I know it would be. We went for a walk, a place called Grindelwald in Switzerland. And I was talking about it earlier and I went on a, we went on a walk and it was just insane. It was like panoramic mountain views, the base of the Eiger. And whenever we talk about, you know, mountains and stuff, we just think of that and it was epic. Yeah. I've never, I've never been out there. I've got a lot of friends who've uh, worked in Verbier and stuff. Yeah, um, doing you know skiing and snowboarding and stuff, and I, I always wanted to go out. My, one of my best mates, Sam, he's done a few seasons out there, and I really, I really want to go out there. I've never, I've never snowboarded. I really want to learn to snowboard. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Grindelwald apparently is really good for snowboarding, but we went during the summer, and you know, I, I still remember. I could literally close my eyes and I could see it. We, we, we yeah. booked an Airbnb, and it was a tiny caravan, like had like a bed that pulled out into the kitchen. It was, it was tiny and rubbish. Yeah, we were at the. I'll send you a picture. We were at like the base of the Eiger, and you literally just like looked up, and it was there. There was like rocks falling. It, it oh my God, honestly, I think I, I, I think I've seen. I think I've seen a picture of like you know when you see like these you know there's those Instagram things of like Earth Picks or whatever, just these yeah. amazing places. I think I've seen a picture of because I recognise the name Grindelwald because it's the name yeah. of that wizard in Harry Potter, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like you know it, it is like that. You know, you, you you took you took a picture and you were like, "Wow, it genuinely looks like that." Whereas, like some places, you take a picture and you're like, "Oh, it doesn't really do it justice." Every yeah. picture, you were like, "Insane." I can't believe it. Yeah, fair. Um, as as I as I said previously, you know, drinking drinking beers is a is a big part of the podcast. I know you, you you've not had a beer tonight. I've I've had a I've been a real a real fucking commoner to be honest. And I've had a Budweiser because it was all I had in the fridge. I've I've been drinking a lot of Camden Camden Hells recently. Um, but what's your what's your beer of choice? Obviously, I know you, you say you, you like having a, a couple of lagers. What's your what what beers do you drink? What's your favourite? Well, we we we're, we're pretty spoiled because we're in Wolverhampton. We've got four breweries that are like I could throw a coin at them. They're they're all within the distance. We've got Signature, Truman's, Exhale, and Wildcard, and they are all within walking distance. So I just normally go and yeah, grab a couple of tinnies from Signature or one of those. They've got like some amazing amazing beers. The guys at Exhale, which are right near us, like a little microbrewery as well. Yeah. They um they, they did an iron brew beer. But oh it was my like God. it was just different. It was the hops and something else that went into it, which made it taste like iron brew. Oh my god. And then they, they on the back they had a um a QR code that had a link to like a Scottish um album they had made on Spotify because they said that they'd played Scottish music to it when it was brewing. <laughs> Do you know but, yeah. I love, obviously I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland. So like, I just, I drink Iron Brew like it was going out of fashion when I was, yeah. you know, it's, it's the only country in the world where Coke isn't the number one selling soft drink. Really? 
Yeah, the only country in the world where Coca-Cola isn't there. That might have changed now since they have the sugar and it tastes like shit now. But yeah, have you seen oh, like man. there's like corner shops in Glasgow and stuff? They'll like put on Facebook, be like, "We've got original Iron Brew," and they'll sell the bottles for like ten quid each. And people they'll be like queuing. People will be like, "Give original Iron Brew." They well, well, but what's the other one? Buckfast, isn't it? I, I spent yeah. a bit of time in Edinburgh and uh, yeah, Buckfast was uh, always floating around. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. The tonic, the tonic wine. Yeah, the yeah. Monks. <laughs> yeah, the monks. And I swear the, the Buckfast Abbey's in like Salisbury or something stupid like that. It's not even in Scotland. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. It's Very strange. Um, and then and then finally, uh, you know, I briefly said a couple of times I'm a real, real Star Wars fan. It's it's a huge, huge part of my life. But also, I'm I'm just a huge uh, film and and TV guy. Um, you know, I love love watching movies. And obviously, we probably spent well. You've got a, a a baby, so you probably don't get to sit and watch TV that much. But obviously, we've spent a lot of time doing it in the last year because we've got nothing to do. So, what have you been? What have you been watching? If you have been watching anything, have you got any other than Paw Patrol or whatever? But any any recommended? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, it's quite funny that like, I'm terrible at movies like really? my, my brother's like the movie one he's like Marvel right. Avengers all of that stuff yeah I I absolutely love though like a good good crime um like real series you know like 24 hours in police custody oh yeah um, I, I I am addicted like I watched the back catalogue I love them um yeah. like, I watched them on YouTube where like, they're still like a square box in the middle because they're so old yeah you can barely <laughs> um, see it so pixelated yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah like oh, there's another crazy one called i think it's called surgeons on the edge and it's sort of like groundbreaking like surgery like they they did this one where they drained this woman's body completely of blood oh, so they could do an operation and then filled her back up with blood what the fuck it's mental but like yeah double lung transplants and all stuff like that i find it fascinating yeah yeah that's a, real life documentary stuff i like oh, i love a, I love a documentary and that that's why it's another reason why i love podcasts so much as well you can find so much there's so many like so like for me like joe rogan i just work my way through like i'm listening to one at the moment with this scientist called graham hancock who's just talking about ancient civilizations and i'm like why am i so why am i so interested in this but i'm sitting there before <laughs> i go to bed i'm like and then i walk into the i walk into bed and heidi my girlfriend's lying there and i'm like do you want to know something cool She's like, <laughs> yeah yeah all right then and i'm like did you know that the, the the big stone slabs within the pyramids all weigh 70 tons each? And I'm like, how could they do that? And they're 350 <laughs> feet above the floor. And she's like, I'm going to bed. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just, I, sh- yeah. Just shut, shut up, shut up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, enough about, enough about uh, the pyramids. I'll do, I'll talk about that another time. Um, yeah. Well, Martin, thank you so much for coming on. This is, uh, in, in all honesty, this has been one of my, one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. It's been such a laugh. You, you say that to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's yeah. Been, been so good. Uh, guys, if, yeah, if, if you're still listening, um, thank you very much for, for making it to the end. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, Martin, where can we find you on, uh, on social media and stuff? Yeah. So it's pretty simple. It's Lagom, L-A-G-O-M, chef, C-H-E-F-F um yeah website's the same.com and then instagram i've got a twitter and a facebook but i don't tend to do much on them so just instagram great um yeah and you can also find me guys on at the after hours lounge uh, if you are enjoying what i'm doing please like share subscribe you can also donate to the podcast via link in my bio as i said i do like a beer and all this talking is thirsty work um yeah guys thank you very much for listening Martin. thank you and we will see no you for the next one <laughs>